iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho. How is everybody doing this afternoon? All right, all right, good, good. It's building, it's building, that's good. It's a cumulative energy, so it'll get bigger. I like it. Welcome, we're very excited. Uh, this is a very exciting time for us here, Apple and IndieWire. We've partnered together to bring you guys some really cool stuff throughout the Tribeca Film Festival. So I'd like to bring out a friend of ours from IndieWire, also our guest moderator today. So a nice round of applause, please, for Brian Brooks. Thank you. Hey, welcome everybody. I'm so glad to see you guys all out on a kind of beautiful afternoon uh, for um, our discussion of Cairo time. Um, but I just want to give a quick uh, mention for IndieWire. Um, we're a 13-year-old a uh, film publication, and we cover film festivals. We do uh, a lot of film reviews and interviews with a lot of filmmakers. We've been around uh, the film community for a long time, and um, uh, I encourage you to check it out if you get a chance. Um, so I just have a quick question, actually. I'm curious, just in the audience, who here has ever been to Cairo? Just out of curiosity. Oh, good, a couple people. All right, all right. I've never been there. <laughs> but I have to say, after I, I had the uh, pleasure of seeing this film uh, uh, some months ago at another film festival um, in the Middle East where it premiered, and um, I had never really thought much about Cairo other than that, you know, it's near the pyramids. Um, <laughs> but uh, after seeing this film, um, I have to say, it's really definitely up in my upper echelon of cities that I want to see. It's, it's grit, it's grandeur, um, it's frenziness, it's pace, it's 20 million people. Um, it, it actually makes a perfect companion, I would even call it maybe even a co-star uh, of this film, um, along with its two terrific main actors who you'll get to meet. Please welcome to the stage director Rubenata and actors Patricia Clarkson, Alexander Siddig, and our guest moderator for this afternoon, Brian Brooks from IndieWire. You can hear me? Okay. Well, let me just quickly introduce here. Of course, we have Patricia Clarkson, no Oscar-nominated actress. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and the very talented filmmaker, uh, Rubenata, who I hope you guys will all get a chance to see the film when it's, it's your U.S. premiere tomorrow, right? Yes, U.S. premiere tomorrow at Tribeca Film Festival. You guys have to see it. I promise. It's good. And very talented actor, Alexander Siddig. Right here on the very far end. Okay. <laughs> First, maybe, maybe you can just sort of set up the scenario uh, between uh, Juliet, played by Patricia Clarkson, and, and uh, Tarek, played by Alexander. Uh, basically, it's about a North American woman, Juliet, who arrives to Cairo to meet her husband, who's uh, stationed uh, in Gaza at the UN and he gets held up and he sends his uh, ex-security officer, his, his friend, Tarek, to pick her up from the airport and basically they fall in love uh, unexpectedly. I mean, certainly the romance, you know, the romance genre has been known through the cinematic ages and, you know, you picked a, you know, a genre that is very familiar with audiences. Um, but, you know, with that familiarity also comes, you know, knowledge of this genre. And, you've, and to be able to take it and, and create something new, um, what, was, what was your approach in, like, tackling these two characters in the film itself? Well, I, I'd been to Cairo when I was 16 and just fell in love with it. And uh, I, I'd always promised myself that I would 
come back and, and tell a story, make a movie there. And I knew that um, I, could, I could try to capture audiences with Cairo by setting a, a sweeping romance, a very old-fashioned romance um, in, in the city. And uh, I, like I studied literature in university, and it was, it, I remember studying Jane Austen. It was very, it, I, I wanted Cairo Time to have that kind of uh, old-fashioned feel where it was, it, you know, it, it, it was unrequited love, and it was not, um, it, it, for me, it was very important to have a very unwest romance, and uh, where it wasn't about immediate gratification, where a, a look could mean anything. A look could mean sex, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of looks. So for uh, Alexander and Patricia, I, mean, I would imagine being veteran actors, you get you know, your fair share of uh, scripts that come around to you. And uh, you know, I'm sure some are great, some are fairly good, and some are maybe not so good. Um, what about this attracted you both when you first uh, read about it and learned about the film? Or the project, I should say. Well, for me, it, um, it was a it was a project that I, in, in which I wasn't blowing up a plane or holding anyone hostage or uh, any of the things I usually do, uh, or at least it feels like it. People think I'm a terrorist every time, but and I, I've only played one terrorist in my life, but it will haunt me. Um, so I was just, I mean, you know, there was a, a, a you can you can get a sense of the easiness of the script and how it rolls, and this this lady wrote a beautiful, simple, you know, quiet pond of a script in a beautiful country meadow. And that's pretty much what hit me when I, when I picked up my email one morning. And uh, the scripts don't come through the post no more. So uh, it's, it, was, uh, it was just, there it was. And uh, I was just dying to get involved. And I heard that this lady over there was going to be involved. And that's a proper grown-up actor. And that was a wonderful ex sort of thing to do, too. And like, God, oh, I'm going to work with one of the greatest American actors. So it all, uh, this is easy for me to say. Mm -hmm. Much tougher, Patricia, to put down. Well, you've done so many fantastic films. No, I, I um, uh, this script clearly stood out. Uh, I was sent the script in the normal fashion. It was my, my agent, and I actually have a, terrific agent and he said you know there's this beautiful script um that i'm going to send you and i think you're going to like it and then he said i think you're gonna love it and he was right i read it uh that night i called him i think i called him at home that night and i said you're right chris this is so elegant so spare it's so distilled and eloquent and powerful, and I uh, would be over the moon to be a part of this. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of crazy stuff. I've done a lot of characters, a lot of very large, extreme women in my career. Uh, and so sometimes actually doing the, the simplest of women, the simplest of characters, are sometimes, you know, the most challenging, and I really welcomed that challenge. And uh, then Ruba flew to New York, and I thought it was going to be, oh, you know, we, we met down the street in a little cafe, and I said, oh, we'll probably talk for, you know, and 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever, three hours later, and uh, we were going to Cairo. <laughs> <laughs> 
and let's talk about Cairo. <laughs> so obviously, I, I, I was saying my, my idea of it was being like one of the co-stars. We were talk, I was talking to Ruba about that uh, before we started here. Um, how was that experience? It seems like it was probably pretty, cha I mean, it looks chaotic in the film, and I imagine it's probably pretty true to form when you're actually going out there with your crew and you guys are on the streets uh, <laughs> putting on a film. <laughs> it was madness. It was absolute yeah. sheer madness and but glorious. But it was, it, you know, it, I, I mean, I wanted, I set this movie in Cairo for a reason because I thought it was one of the most beautiful cities in the world, uh, and so I, I knew what I was getting myself into. Um, but you know, it's just a, it's, it's not a gentle city. There's 20 million people. The heat is crazy. You know, the there's no street lights. Uh, there's bureaucracy level hell. <laughs> we had a censorship uh, woman from the government who was watching my every move. And so there were a lot I of things we were many battling. days, yes, placating the censor. Hello, what, what, how what? are you? <laughs> yes, let's go sit over here and have some tea. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, but it's astonishing, it, you know, that there is... She was actually a, a very lovely woman, but she is very much there as the censor. But, you know, we shouldn't dwell... Because there was a lot we accomplished in this film. I mean, Ruba talked her way into places. I mean, we actually shot on the pyramids. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. People ask me, you know, did, did you see the pyramids when, when you were in Cairo? I was like, did I see the pyramids? <laughs> I was like, I sat my butt on a pyramid. I mean, they, and you can't miss them. It's like you wake up. It's like, oh, pyramid. You know, it's your brushing your teeth. Oh, pyramid, you know. They're everywhere. So it's, it, you're, they're inescapable. What's beautiful about this film is it isn't CGI. Everything is real. Everything is true. Every place we went is truly the place in the film uh, including that very famous cafe that no one has ever shot in, and they let Ruba. And See, Cairo has a lot in common with New York in the sense that everything that anybody has ever said about it is true. And um, the one extraordinary thing about it is that there is this, this river running through it. And this river carries in it all the stories of Africa all the way if you're from the middle of Africa all the way to the sea. And I know I'm over-romanticizing it, but it's very hard not to get that impression when you're standing on top of a bridge with this massive, slow-moving thing coming up through. And you just go, all the things this river has seen. And, and the, the, the city is a kind of amazing kind of hub of African stories. And, uh, and it's like Africa. It's quite unlike any other city. All the cities in Africa are very different. But... Uh, it's very beautiful and there's manic. Memory, you remember there's, uh, there was a particular restaurant that we went to often, and it really was kind of like a barge on the Nile. And we'd shoot these crazy days with a cacophony of Cairo still humming in our ears, and we would go sit out on this barge as the sun was setting, just exhausted, depleted. We'd have, you know, great, great Egyptian wine that was very cheap, but we'd sit out on this barge, and the sun would set, overlooking the Nile, and those beautiful party boats would come to that. Remind me, I'm New Orleanian, remind me of Mardi Gras, like on the water. And it was, I thought, oh, it was life and art. It was, I thought, I might not ever leave. One of, actually, I'm glad you mentioned the river. One of, my, one of my favorite little scenes, I think, sort of typified the sort of the confluence of west and east, or 
Middle East, I guess, um, when you, well, you, <laughs> Tarek and Juliet uh, went out on a, for a sail um, on the Nile. <laughs> and it was so interesting because Tarek, uh, Alexander's uh, character, um, noticed that Juliet seemed a little, a little uncomfortable. And, uh, and uh, she, she revealed that she, well, what, how do you say that again? Like, uh, you, she revealed that she couldn't swim. She does, I don't swim, which is a very, I, I do yeah. patty. I, I'm a great, it's the only sport I know how to do. <laughs> uh, it's the only thing I'm good at. I'm an excellent swimmer. Remember that when you see the film. And then, my and then character doesn't swim. I'm a synchronized swimmer. I'm just putting that in there. And it was interesting because Tarek, see that. Tarek, Tarek said what to, to Juliet? I can't remember. I probably couldn't Tarek. remember on the day. He said something. You said that you don't all people in the West... Everybody in the West has three swimming pools. Don't, yeah, doesn't everybody in yeah, the West have three right. swimming yeah. pools? And then, and then Juliet, with her nice little retort... <laughs> she, and and she all, goes, the, all the Middle Eastern men have, like, four, four wives. wives. Yeah. <laughs> Which we do, obviously. <laughs> um, so Juliet ventures out on her own. Um, when she first gets there after meeting Tarek at the airport and she has sort of a interesting time out on the streets in Cairo. Her, her husband, who's at, it, working for the UN in Gaza, is not able to join her in Cairo. So, but she, and she's definitely not one to just stay home and stay in the hotel. She wants to go out on the streets and then what happens? Well, the streets are, it was life in art. The, the streets are, are um, you have to be care, a little careful in the streets in Cairo as a, a woman walking alone, and you have to be careful of the length of your skirt. Uh, it, and the, the, you, you can be followed easily by um, um, quite a few men who will gather and, and follow you. Um, uh, and, and it uh, was life imitating, or life, that, life, that, life that, and art kind of going hand in hand? That very scene pretty much happened to me, and uh, like before we started shooting, I went out out on the street, and very lovely men started to follow me, <laughs> and that's the scene in the film. So uh, it was interesting, but it was just part of the adventure of Cairo. And it plays well together because then it's a good reason for Juliet to go uh, seek out Tarek. Yes. <laughs> Alexander, you, uh, I first saw this film at, I should mention, I first saw this film at the Doha Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, it's the Tribeca Film Festival does a, has its sister event um, in Doha, which is the capital of, there's so many different ways of pronouncing this country's name, Qatar, Qatar. Qatar. <laughs> Qatar, okay, Qatar. Um, and uh, I remember there was an interesting uh, quote that you, you had said, that you had mentioned there following a screening that you said that you wanted to preserve the Arab male that you feel is disappearing. Yeah, yeah. And well, I, I was wondering if you could expand on that and what you meant by that and how that relates to your character and so forth. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a statement I made that I sort of regret now. Oh, um, sorry. No, no. I'm, <laughs> I, I, mainly because like so many sort of statements one makes, thinking very grandly, you look back and you go, that's kind of patronizing. But... Um, there is an element that I think is disappearing, and it's probably not true, but there is a, certainly it is certainly true in terms of the perspective from the West um, that uh, that elegant, dignified gentleman who, to me, epitomized Arab men, uh, incredibly well-educated and uh, sophisticated. My father was one of them. Um, you don't see so much of no, you know, anymore, and. I, 
I, I'm beginning to miss seeing that. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of radicals on, on, on the TV, and I'm seeing a lot of uh, uh, political movement towards that, that radicalism, and it's sort of kind of being encouraged in many ways. And, uh, you know, I, I just think I, I don't want to be doing a eulogy to, a, to an Arab man who is going to disappear. Um, that's really kind of what I meant. Um, just related also to when you were screening in Doha, um, I remember when I was going in there, the, the first, I think the screening that I saw was at the Islamic Art Museum, which is a beautiful, beautiful building. It's uh, designed by I.M. Pei. Um, but I remember going in, there was a sign outside, and I, I, I only read the description. I didn't, obviously didn't, hadn't seen the film, but it said, it said something like, strictly over 18 only. And I was like, oh, wow, this is going <laughs> to... But... Um, yeah, well, but you know what? But, but one thing I thought made it even much more of an impact because you know it could have really just gone there and done something very cliche. But the the, the main I think one one of the main beautiful uh, things about this or aspects of this film is its restraint and its subtlety. And I think that that's something. Don't say that. that. No one will come. <laughs> say it's like controversially no, 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 no. pornographic. The passion is the passion is there. Loads of nudity. <laughs> the passion is Alexander's there. Alexander's nudity. But you know it was really Ruba does a nude cameo at the end, and it's just a little bit it. of naked improvised dancing okay. through the credits. <laughs> and Danny, our producer, has a nude cameo at the end too. <laughs> Charles too, our other. Basically, producer. you just shot Charles. He's nude at you. the beginning. <laughs> Charles Pugliese is one of the producers. He's sitting st sitting out here. We should give him a hand. There's another producer and a, and a DP is right there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. Okay, yeah. It was. It was. It was. When, or, or, for, am I wrong, or you? You tell me. <laughs> for for me, it was really important that uh, that I have that I that, that I that I make a, a real romance, and it just to me, I guess. Like I, I, it was very important that I not do a romantic comedy, that I just do a straight romance, and that it feel real. Because it, to me, it was more meaningful that um, I'm, I'm not going to give the movie away, but that. Well, the one thing I really like. I was like, give it away. <laughs> no, but you know what? The one thing I really liked, and I, I'm glad that they, because I was, I didn't, I wasn't going to bring it up just because I didn't want to give the movie away. But the one thing I really, I thought, or at least another moment in the movie that I really loved was the the kiss. Which that which shows, and I just love Juliet's re response to it. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, yes, because I think it's uh, it's true, it's real, it's in real time. It's it's not an edited moment. It's a uh, um, a genuine moment in the in the film. And uh, but you know that that's the beauty of Ruba's filmmaking is the film is loaded with incredibly real, seductive, sensual moments that are, you know, that honor your intelligence. Uh, that, you know, th this is a movie, this is a sophisticated film, but it's not an elitist film. And that's, I think, a very difficult line to walk. And I think great filmmakers make films that people can genuinely respond to with emotion and intellect. And uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of this film. Well, it certainly resonated with audiences so far. Um, the uh, film won the Best Canadian Feature at the Toronto International Film Festival in September where it had a world premiere. So, just great. Ruba, were you ever tempted, you could have gone so many different ways with this, were you, were you, tempted to, were you ever tempted to have 
uh, your two main characters be like you know someone who's maybe in their late teens or early twenties or no what, no you, you I was conscious effort to have have someone who no someone who is who, is, who saw, has who has grown children and so forth I saw Juliet as Patricia Clarkson to be honest with you I I you know to me as a I mean, not just as a female filmmaker, blah, blah, blah. To me, just as, a, just as a person, it's so much more complicated and interesting that, you know, Juliet has history mm-hmm. to her. And it just makes it so much more interesting and, 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 and heartbreaking that this happens to her with Tarek. And so had it been, uh, you know, a 19-year-old, it just wouldn't have had that. It would have been silly. And so for me, I just, I saw Juliet and I, I saw her very clearly in my head and she was Patty. <laughs> and so I, I really held, I held firm to that. I also really like some of the other female characters that, that Juliet encounters um, along the way. Uh, the, there was one character, um, she, she, you don't know necessarily so much about them, but she, she was a woman who seemed very in touch and very comfortable with her sexuality. Catherine. Um, Catherine, Catherine, yeah, and then even just and just and also the woman that Juliet encounters on the bus, and they and they these are people that I sort of felt like maybe lie outside of the conventional, maybe stereotype or cliche of 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 a, of a woman, an Arab woman living well, in the region. To me, thank you. I mean, to me, that's really you know I'm I'm Canadian. I was born in Canada, but I'm of Arab descent, and uh, it's really important for me to break down those that horrible misconception. Uh, that Arab men and Arab women have around the world. And so, you know, I, 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 I like to do that as an artist, but do it in an entertaining kind of manner. Mm-hmm. So it's important for me to, you know, show the world that, um, you know, yes, there are Arab women who have premarital sex, and <laughs> there are, you know, some women who have, you know, like it's it just to broaden, broaden the mm-hmm. kind of vision of what Arab women and Arab men are. Uh, see, I just wanted to see if there's any questions out here. Hi, um, my name is Ishmael. Um, I'm an upcoming filmmaker, study film at Full Sail University. Um, I just got a question for Alexandra. Um, as a, you were born in Sudan and grew up in London, and you was like coming up as a director in a theater. I read about you. I'm a huge fan of your, your work anyway. Um, I just want to know, like, what how challenging it is for you, like being born in Africa, grew up in England, and now you're in the business of filmmaking. I just want to know like how the transaction goes to by. Um, well, you know, growing up in, um, in England, being born in Africa, if I get the gist of your question, and being in the film business, uh, how, how do I manage to juggle that kind of identity scenario for myself? Um, Firstly, as an actor, you, don't, it, you generally don't have much of an identity of your own. <laughs> you tend to kind of adopt other people's from a, on a day-to-day basis, and that's kind of fun. It's a spicy way of living. Um, and I, but I, as far as being born in Sudan and growing up in England, which I think is much more pertinent than my, the, the accident of my being an actor or the accident, that the accident of my being born, born in, in Sudan, is that... Um, it, it's always it's made me an outsider. I don't know if you have that experience uh, all my life, but not, I don't feel bad about that. I mean, it's been wonderful to be able to look in on on various cultures and lives, but especially the English. We're pretty 
I'd like to say we, although I'm not we to them. Uh, I, I'm one of them, another to them. Uh, so I, it's hard, harder to make friends, harder to become part of a, a society. Which you get very used to and very relaxed about, and you just end up being on the periphery of lots of circles of friends. Uh, uh, so it's I mean, quite a deep philosophical scenario, I, which I really probably can't go into without everybody falling asleep. But... Uh, I find, it, I, find it, I find it perfectly natural because I don't know any other existence is probably the shortest answer. How do you find being in a film industry and being from Africa? From Sierra Leone. And are you finding it interesting in, in terms of the opportunities here in, in New York? Yeah, it's pretty um, challenging, but it's all right. Do you find a pressure to do Sierra Leonese movies or American films? American films. We have another question here to you, right? Hi, um, I'm Laurie Ponder and I'm a filmmaker. I really liked the clip that we just saw because it looked like you were playing with some gender constructions through self-reference with the magazine bit. I was just wondering, um, is that something that uh, you include in your work consciously and you want to explore? And um, I'm hoping that there's more of that in this film. And if you can just talk about that a little bit as a female filmmaker. Thanks. Um, I always try to include it, but I think the the best way to, to do that is to do it subconsciously. Because I know I think if you try to like hit the audience over the head with it, you kind of lose them. So for me, it's just it, at the heart of it, I'm just trying to tell a story. And in this case, it was the story of Juliet, and I really honored that. You know, like I, it was her story from start to finish, and I, I mean, so it's 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 so difficult to see movies um, where women star, you know, in it. It is incredibly. I, I must. I mean, when I first read the script, it was very surprising uh, to read a script that a woman carried a film. It's and especially a woman north of. Forty, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Patricia, I'd love to write something for you, so we'll be in touch. <laughs> Terrific, thank you. Did that stress you out, Patricia, when when, uh, when you were reading? Was it, I mean, did you find that at all intimidating when you were reading through that um, initially? Well, I think acting is always intimidating, and I think if it isn't, if it doesn't inspire love and fear and hate and uh, lust, I mean, all of the levels uh, of emotion um, yes I mean it, 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 it was at, of course intimidating and daunting but uh, I had Alexander and Ruba so it was actually much easier <laughs> than I anticipated. Did you did you both know each other beforehand, or no. the chemistry no. was just right there on no. the on the no. screen? So you know, in fact, applause. the first day we met, well, there was this, no. this uh, yeah. yeah, there's a scene. The first day we met, we, that was the first time we met, shot we a met scene. For the, for, we met for the first time. We didn't even meet before the film. We met in Cairo, on like five days really? before yeah. shooting, or four yeah. four days. Because I, yes, I and I kind of had that moment of walking down, you know, it was so life and art, but I had that moment, remember, of walking out of the elevator, waiting, standing there, waiting. We met in the lobby of the hotel that we were staying in as... Like an arranged marriage. It was crazy. (laughs) But yes, yeah, you walk out and you're like, oh, hello. (laughs) I'm so glad. I'm like, I love you, Rube, I love you. (laughs) 
You must have been happy when it when it seemed like they were getting along, Reba, right? Um, you know what? I you, sometimes you have to will things to happen, and I I knew I wanted Patty, and I I knew I really wanted Alexander, and I just I just knew that they were going to have chemistry. I just knew it. So and they did. I remember we sh- I remember shooting the first shot and uh, my DP and my first AD turning to me and saying, lucky, they've gr- they're got good chemistry. Because, you know, it's always, you just never know. You just never know. Okay, I did see some other hands. All the way here to the right. Okay. Hi, guys. Um, given the fact that it is a women's lead and also it was done in Africa, did that um, provide any problems or challenges with financing? Uh, Danny, <laughs> that's a, it was, it, you know, it's, it's a Canadian film. So, um, the financing was challenging because we, it, the story was so subtle and, you know, there's no cars being blown up. And so it, it was, a, it was a bit challenging. I think my producer can talk more about it. Um, that guy. <laughs> Hi. Um, it was, I, I mean, the challenge was to shoot an entire movie in Cairo as a Canadian movie. Um, our movies are heavily subsidized, as they are in most countries. So in order, except for the U.S., but you will pay less taxes, so there's more hedge fund money. Um, well, there was, I guess. So I, the challenge was to, you know, Canada's treaties with other countries that allow us to shoot all around the world, but we don't have one with Egypt. Um, so oddly, we had to do, I won't get into it because it's too absurd. We had to structure this as a Canada-Irish co-production in order to shoot in Cairo. <laughs> I'll leave you that to your imagination to imagine how complicated it We had to do river dance in order to finally get all the money. As a matter of fact, we have a gig in about. <laughs> Although you know what, it worked out because uh, I had to I had to hire some crew from Ireland, and I found the composer from Dublin, and he is magic. This guy, and uh, the the music in this movie, people just go crazy over. And now it's available on iTunes, actually. I I, I was actually going to ask you about the music because that was something I really did love in the film, and I, I actually also loved the the moments when when Juliet uh, was in the car and and really wanted to hear the music, you know, it was a music that, you know, her character was not familiar with. Um, it was presumably an Egyptian artist. Um, but, uh, and, then, and then when she was trying to tell them to turn up the radio, uh, they turned it onto some kind of Western bland pop, you know? <laughs> but I really did love the music in the film. Maybe, maybe you can talk about where, how the, the, uh, the song the music. The, mu- the music, you know, I love music. I, I think it's really important um, to, have, like, to have great music that's authentic in, in, in a movie. And... So I really wanted uh, M. Kultum. I, w- I wanted like classic Arabic music. And so it was, it, was very, it was very important that I get these two very popular songs from Cairo. But uh, it was... And the guy from Dublin? And the guy from <laughs> Dublin is like, was my composer. And he composed the music. And he's just so... We, I, I'd never met him. Like I met him for the first time three years later at a film festival in Dublin and I only talked to him over the phone and he would send me like clips of the music and I, I, I basically told him what I wanted which was you know piano subtle heartbreaking and he did it it was crazy we have another question for you right over here 
Uh, Ruba, this is, uh, I guess, a question about logistics. I'm curious how large your crew was and how difficult it was to get permission from the government to close down streets and you know have cars moving through and all of that sort of um, stuff. My key crew came from Canada, so my cinematographer, first AD, uh, costumes, continuity, uh, and, and then we hired everybody else from Cairo. Cairo is actually a big uh, filmmaking city. Uh, they shoot a lot of movies, a lot of television there. And so that was, that was great. We were lucky that way. Logistically, um, we hooked up with a service producer in Cairo, and they got us permits, like an archaeological uh, permit to the sites. Per, uh, the thing is, there's, because there's millions and millions of people in the city, you can't close down any of the streets. So we, I just had to throw my actors into the, the situation and roll the dice. And sometimes it was... I mean, there's... <laughs> There's so many stories I can tell you where we were like we were almost arrested <laughs> because you know you have to have like permits and and sometimes we just didn't and you know there, there's a scene there's a scene in the movie where it's like uh, we're filming on a very famous bridge I think you saw it in the trailer it's a it's a bridge that uh, bridges uh, old Cairo with new Cairo and you just there's no way you can shut down this bridge it would create chaos and havoc. And I really needed this scene. And my first AD was like hustling me and saying, you know, we got, you got to cut this out. I'm like, no. And I threw my producer, I was like, I threw Danny in front of one side of the traffic and got him to stop it. And I went out on the other side and stopped it. And they beeped the hell out of us, but it didn't matter because there was no dialogue and we shot it for 30 seconds. So you, we just had to roll with it every day. And I was really lucky that I had excellent, amazing actors that just knew their characters so well that it didn't matter the cacophony of noise. They could just, they could just act. How, how many days? Re, how, how many days was the shoot? We shot over the course. Technically, it was twenty-five days, but my camera crew, my my cinematographer and I, our camera crew would go out on our on our weekend on our two days off, and we would illegally shoot in the city. And that, that's why we almost got arrested a couple of times because we didn't have the right permits and the censorship woman wasn't with us. And yeah, I was going to say, is this, the censorship person didn't know that that was going on. We were desperate. <laughs> Basically, we thought, you know, we have one shot. No North American film had ever pulled off shooting Cairo, so we weren't going to go to Cairo and not get what we needed. And so we, we were just not going to leave the city without getting our stuff. And you get used to shooting a scene and there's a goat idly chewing the hem of your jacket or a dog <laughs> humping your leg and you just like, you just get on with the scene. And I would imagine, Ruba, you speak Arabic, so that must have been, that yeah, must have that been helped. quite you helpful. You know what, yeah. I, I remember calling my mother and saying, like, I really hated learning Arabic when I was a kid, like when I was four, I just wanted to go play. And I remember calling my mom and saying, I, I apologize for being such a pain because... <laughs> If I hadn't learned, if I didn't know the language, we would have been in trouble, big time. Uh, questions out there? Hello, my name is Lewis. Um, I have a question for Ruba. Uh, I am a photographer and a cinematographer, and also an uh, editor at my school. And I wanted to know, how did you get into the field of directing? Um, I got into film. I was I was initially a short story writer. And uh, I studied literature in university, and I still wrote short stories and got them published. And I just saw it in my head. It was very visual for me. And, you know, I'm the eldest sister, so I'm naturally bossy. <laughs> 
And so I just decided to go, I came to NYU um, and learned everything about film making in six weeks and then went back to Toronto and just started making short films and didn't stop. And so, you know, I, I, I come from making, my first short film was $500 and it was gritty and rough looking, but it had heart, you know, I had, I had stories to tell and I just kept going. We have time for two more questions. Ruba, how, um, how closely do you work with the editor in the cutting room, like for, for making the films? You know what, films get, like, there's three movies you make during the course of a movie. You know, there's the movie that you write, there's the movie that you shoot, and then there's the movie that gets made in the editing room. And so my editor, Teresa Hannigan, actually flew to Cairo to get a feel for the city. And um, I, I work with her really closely. I trust her, I love her, and she, she and I, like, we'll, we'll stay in that editing room for, like, three months until every single frame needs to be in, the, in this movie. And especially in this movie, the pace was really important. You know, it's, ve it's a very intentionally minimalist um, pace. And so we were very protective of that. And so I think just as a director, it's really important to be open and collaborative. You know, you still have your vision and the story that you want to tell, but you always get the best out of everybody if you're just open and collaborative and... You, you know, everybody's there to help you make the best movie possible. So I'm very, I work very closely with my editor. I see one more in the front. One up in the front here. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I'm just curious about the, the, the uh, censorship um, lady. Um, did you have to, did you have to, did you, was the film that she thought you were gonna make significantly different from what you did make? <laughs> I actually sent in a completely fabricated. You know, the, this like movie is so gentle, and her the government's problem was not that there was like sex because she wanted me to include sex. She was she was like, you know, why is there no passionate kissing scene? You know, so her their issue was how um, Cairo was perceived to the world, and so even though right. yeah portrayed sorry portrayed to the world, and so she didn't want me to shoot like garbage. You know, she they were just classist in a way and so I had to submit a completely false script and then the trick was my sister always works with me on my films and we look a lot alike so you know the censorship woman loved my sister so when I needed to get rid of this woman I was like Fadia go shopping with her and she would like disappear for an hour and we'd shoot like we'd shoot a scene <laughs> it was like desperate but, you know, I knew at the end of the day that if we could pull off shooting in Cairo, then I could pull off shooting anywhere. I do want to mention that, uh, again, the film is having its U.S. premiere tomorrow at the Tribeca Film Festival. Um, IFC Films will be opening it theatrically. August uh, 6th. On the 6th of August. Yes. Yes, uh, at I IFC Center and Lincoln Plaza. So, hope you will check it out. And a special thanks to Ruben Atta, Patricia Clarkson, and Alexandra Sadiq so much. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Thanks for coming today. Thank you. Guys, keep it going for our guests. Thank you very much for coming out this afternoon. Don't run off, because it is Tribeca. We have another event coming up in just 30 minutes. Director Shinya Tsukamoto and actor Eric Basak of Tetsuo the Bullet Man will be here to discuss their film. <clears throat> also, guys, don't forget, throughout Tribeca, apple.com forward slash retail forward slash Tribeca. You'll see the complete schedule of events that we have available going on at the store. 
and also now on your mobile device. So if you guys have an iPod Touch or an iPhone, you can download the Tribeca app now as well. So all that stuff available online. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful week and evening. Take care.